Hello, welcome to the Kingfoot Podcast. Today we're back for the World Cup. I'm the host, Malik Shafai, and today we're glad to have Bezal Hagazi. Hi, Malik. Great to be here. Serge Nasri. Hi, Malik. I'm happy to be back. And Omar Morsi. Hey, Malik. It's always good to be on and good to talk to you guys. So the last few weeks, a few things have happened. Hector Cooper has released his World Cup squad. We have a lot to talk about that, and Egypt also played a few friendlies, so we'll talk about that, and lastly, we'll preview the World Cup for Egypt and the other African teams at the tournament. So let's I get mean, started. Obviously, like you said, the, the biggest issue that stands out is uh, Hector Cooper leaving out Ahmed Hassan Koka, uh, selecting just one uh, recognized number nine in, in his squad, taking three right backs. I think he's definitely gotten a lot of criticism for that, and... Um, It'll definitely be a huge point of contention if Egypt struggles at, at the World Cup. Um, I, obviously, this means he's going to be likely to rely at least in, to some level on Mahmoud Kaharaba and Amrwar, that striker, or perhaps just playing Salah up there uh, should Salah be fit to play. So we'll see. It's, it's a big risk he's taken. It's not necessarily, uh, I think, something that anyone expected given how much... Koka played underneath uh, Cooper, even in all the qualifying games when he wasn't scoring. Cooper stuck with him and gave him plenty of chances, but the pressure now is definitely on Marwan Mohsen to prove that him having uh, Cooper's faith in him is uh, the right choice and see how it goes. But like I said, there's definitely going to be a lot of criticism, even more so than there has been on Hector Cooper for taking just one striker if this doesn't work out for him. Yeah, so as Serge mentioned, we only have one out-and-out striker in Marwan Mussin. And there's only two other teams at the World Cup have only taken one striker, that being Costa Rica and Tunisia. So, Bezel, what are your thoughts on what we can do with that striker position? Serge mentioned either that could be Kahraba or Amar Warda. What do you think? Yeah, just looking at the friendlies, it appears that Mossen's um, impressed Cooper in the outing against Belgium, even though we got our bottoms handed back to us in that match 3-0, he must have seen something in that game. So I, I have to agree, I'm really surprised that uh, Koka was dropped. He did a lot of donkey work. Like, he didn't score a whole lot, but he was quite selfless and made a lot of space for Salah to do his inverted winger magic. So, yeah, that is a bit of a surprise. So we'll see. And obviously, Warda and Kahraba, they're going to have to step up to the plate as well. Uh, and then, Omar, who would, you, who would you have liked to see added to the squad? That we didn't see in the final squad. Well, actually, my main problem wasn't really with uh, the forward position. I do agree that if Marwan gets injured or if it's apparent that he's uh, out of form and not performing, then it would definitely have done as good to include another striker in there. But over the past maybe two or even years or even more than that we haven't really seen any actual output from our strikers so I think that there's some overestimated there's some overestimation of the amount of rotation that's going to be ha- happening at the World Cup barring injury or suspension so I think Marwan just starts uh, all three games unless something significant changes and then Kaharaba can can obviously sub in or maybe start depending on what Cooper decides in the end. Um, my main issue was actually at Winger, where uh, he excluded Hesina Shahed, who had a really really good season um, with Alain. Um, and I, at least I would have taken him instead of one of the fullbacks, say Omar Geber or uh, Ahmad Mohammadi. So I think that's really the bigger selection uh, issue over the striker, I would argue. Uh, and then looking at the defense in the midfield, we've seen a very, during AFCON and the World Cup qualifiers, we've seen a, a recognizable structure that we've seen a lot. But we have seen some flirtations with other defenders during these recent friendlies, such as Saad Samir in the defense. Do you guys think that any of these friendlies might have played a part in changing the lineup, or do you think it's going to stay the same? 
I think that when you when you look at the success that Hector Coupe had in qualifying and then reaching the final at the African Cup of Nations, I think he's going to want to stick with as much of those players as possible. So I don't really see him changing up too much uh, in terms of personnel when it comes to that back line unless he has to. Um, I, I mean, where I see maybe the bigger point of contention, uh, not necessarily related to defense, is the goalkeeper position. I think that's completely up in there right now. Obviously, I think many people expected that Hadri to start, but he's shown in these friendlies that he's definitely not, um, you know, at the level he was maybe even at during the AFCON. He didn't have a good season for his club in Saudi. Uh, so there's really a, a big question mark about who will play there. And, um, you know, when the defensive line doesn't know who their keeper is behind them, I, can, I think that can lead to some instability and... Uh, Let's face it, even though the Egyptian defense hasn't conceded a lot of goals under Hector Cooper, they are still relatively mistake-prone. And um, I think that, and I don't want to discredit the team, but a lot of Egypt not conceding can maybe be put down to the quality of the attacks they faced over uh, these past you know, one and a half to two years under Hector Cooper. And I think that um, you know all three go- all three teams in the group stage at Russia they're not going to be teams that struggle to score goals. So if Egypt isn't really on top form and understanding exactly the things they want to accomplish defensively, then they can leak more goals than maybe we expect. I just want to say that I 100% um, agree with Serge. You know, we know that uh, Cooper is a very very conservative man, and there'll be no changes in defence. What he tried out in the friendlies was clearly him looking for a plan B. The only thing I am concerned about, because we know it's going to be Abdul Shafi, Hagazi, Ali Gobber and Fatih most likely. But I'm a little bit worried that Ali Gobber might be a little bit rusty. He's had that transfer to West Brom and he has still have gotten bottom splinters. He's just, you know, warmed the bench the entire time he's there. And I'm just, yeah, a little bit fearful he might be rusty. That's just something to consider. So maybe there's an opening for Ali Gobber or Saad Samir. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. And I think looking at the friendlies as well um, over these past few weeks, he, okay, we've had some stiffer competition than perhaps we've been used to, but I don't think it's necessarily uh, several levels ahead of what we can expect to, to face in Russia. And Ali Gobr has has struggled in these friendlies. So we'll see if Cooper continues to trust him come June 15th against uh, Russia, excuse me, against Uruguay. We'll take a quick break before going into greater depth about the Egyptian national team's friendlies. We started off this recent set of friendlies, 25th of May against Kuwait, where we drew 1-1 in a very disappointing game. What are your guys' opinions on that? Um, if if we're, we're talking about the uh, Kuwait game, then uh, I would not personally read too much into the result. Um, I think the Portugal game back in March was way more telling of how Cooper wants to set up uh, at the World Cup, and I think for for a significant stretch of the game, we weren't we didn't look too bad um, until Salah came off, and uh, well, the pressure started increasing because Portugal weren't as wary of our attacking threat as they were before. Plus, a couple of subs in midfield, and Chikabala uh, coming on, and he doesn't really cover that much ground, so. In the end, we all know that two late goals, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, when you make mistakes, he, he's going to take advantage. And the 1-1 draw with Kuwait weren't really, uh, I don't think they were uh, an indicator of uh, how we're going to perform at the World Cup. At the same time, however, I, I was disappointed that he, I, I think that he wasted those friendlies. Because at this point in time, you shouldn't be uh, really wondering, well, who should I be starting? Who should I be 
taking. You should mostly be fine-tuning. And so I would have wanted at least five or six of the players to be starting in those games. Yeah, I, I think I agree with Morsi in that uh, we can't read necessarily too much into these friendlies given the the team selection that was up for most of them. Um, obviously, it's pretty disappointing to have two wins in our in our last ten matches and really be struggling for confidence going into the World Cup. But at the same time, looking at the teams that Cooper has selected, he's really experimented quite a bit. He has looked at fringe players at certain points. At other times, he's played players who we were pretty certain were going to be in the squad, but we were also unlikely to start uh, in this next month at the World Cup. I think this highlights what's perhaps a little bit more worrying in that this Egypt squad really isn't very deep. And when you have to make a change here or change there, particularly at certain positions, then there's really very little hope for us to produce a quality game. For example, uh, I'm yet to really see a, a match where if both Mohamed Salah and Abdullah Saeed aren't playing, uh, then we really struggled to even create chances or score goals. And that's not to say that we create a plethora of chances or score a lot of goals with them in the lineup to begin with. But if they're not both playing, then we really struggle. And uh, it's kind of the same situation where in midfield, I think a lot of us have had complaints in the past about Tara Hamid and Mohamed Al-Nani. But if those two aren't playing together, then we lose that solidarity we have in midfield. And uh, we sit in even lower defensive blocks and have even less of the ball than we're accustomed to. And this isn't to say anything. We expect these players to be playing at the World Cup. Obviously, maybe with the exception of Salah and his injury status as we await to find out more in, in the upcoming week. But, um, you know, there will be, you know, maybe an injury, uh, maybe a suspension. We, I mean, we've seen how Tarahan has been tackling in these friendlies. So um, it's a little bit concerning to have so many players in the squad that you feel like you don't have an adequate rela- replacement for. And I think that's what the friendlies highlighted the most. So we had two friendlies against Colombia and Belgium, the Colombia match being 0-0 and Belgium being a 3-0 humiliating loss. Uh, Serge, what are your opinions on the friendlies and what can we take from it? Uh, So I think that, obviously, so the Colombia match was kind of more of a precursor and uh, the team that is most comparable to them, obviously, is Uruguay and that's who uh, Cooper was, was looking for setting up that friendly. And then I think the Belgium friendly was, uh, you know, should we advance, we're likely to play a team like Spain or Portugal. So maybe that's sort of what he was looking for as a comparable team over there. And I, I think the worrying part and what we can take is, uh, you, know, you know, against Colombia, 0-0 on paper is a good result. But many will say we were lucky to pull that out and um you know colombia really could have scored some chances although you know maybe we did create one or two chances of our own i think then uh looking at belgium uh when you do play an older back line like we are uh i think if you have players like ahmed fathe at right back making a mistake for one of the goals and then uh some of the making uh you know a save but pairing it right into the path of a striker for another goal that's not really a recipe that, um, you know, exudes a lot of confidence to the team. And if you are going to play Egypt play style where you're sitting deep all game uh, and you're just hoping to hit the team on the other opposing team on a counter with one or two real chances throughout the game, then you have to be much more solid in, in defense. And um, to go into the World Cup without... Uh, you know, one really staple game. I think you could say maybe Portugal was that staple game, but, you know, Salah comes off and Ronaldo scores twice, and you don't have that game under your belt to give you confidence that you can do this against the best players and the best teams in the world, then I think that can be a little bit worrying when you do deal with some adversity at the World Cup. So I think there is some reason to worry. Uh, This would have been a good chance to get that bit of confidence going into the World Cup, and we didn't get that. 
Yeah, so we have a rather old squad. It's the fifth oldest squad at the World Cup. And a lot of that age, I guess, is in the back line. We have, as you mentioned, we have Ahmed Fathay and Abdul Shafai, the fullbacks. And as they're getting on in age and beginning to lose a step, Bezla, how do you think that, I guess, while they do have experience, how do you think that their slowness might hurt us at the, at the tournament? Well, I guess you could argue that uh, Cooper is insured against that with a um, with directives to not get too far forward for our fullbacks. They've they've never been really you know dashing fullbacks that bomb that far down the line. Of the Sheffy especially. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping that the mistake like Fatih's been so reliable, and the same could be said for Al Hadri. I'm hoping they got their two big mistakes out of the way, their two ricks, and um, because as Serge has rightly pointed out, if you're going to play to um, solid banks of four, very far back, as it were, you need to avoid mistakes because we are, Egypt is not a team that can chase from a goal down. It's really, really, really difficult for us the way we set up. Just going to say that uh, although the, the Belgium result was 3-0, uh, is never a good score line to uh, have just a week or so before you go into the World Cup. But at the same time, like Bessel was saying, I'm hoping that they got that first, first of all, they got the mistakes out of their system. And second of all, I hope that this result showed them that, hey, we did get to the World Cup, but this is another level. We can't just uh, play at the same level that we were uh, over the past two years this is harder, so we have to step up our game. And so I'm trying to look at the result in a positive light. Maybe some humility and uh, focus wouldn't be too bad ahead of the World Cup. Yes. Before talking about some possible confidence issues that the national team might struggle with going into the World Cup. World Cup taking this step is un- has been unprecedented in this decade for Egyptian football, I guess even in this millennium. Um, as the likes of we've never played at a consistent level against these high quality teams, as we've only played African teams previously in these competitions. So we have zero goals in the last two matches, two goals in the last five matches, and we've been winless since that Congo qualifier in October. Do so you think the players, more specifically the attackers, bar Mohamed Salah, might be lacking in confidence considering we've been struggling on an international level? Oh, I mean, I think the players will um, they'll be lacking in confidence for several reasons. I mean, one of them is, of course, they're playing without Salah on the, on the international level. But really, I mean, all of the attacking players outside of Trezeguet did not have good seasons for their clubs necessarily. Um you know, going across the line really quickly. Kaharaba had a much worse season this year for Ted in Saudi than he did last season. Um, you know, Marwan Wasson spent most of the season injured and hasn't scored for Egypt in a very long time and probably wouldn't have expected to be the starting striker a, a month ago. Ramadan Sophie, um, you know, he did play some for Stoke City this year, but they got relegated and he didn't really have a good season, didn't contribute a lot of goals or assists, and they spent most of their time defending against big teams. So, and then you look at Abdullah Saeed, obviously had the big transfer saga from Ali and spent the last couple of months on loan in Finland, and maybe he did have a bit of a better season uh, in terms of productivity than the other attacking players, but it's still been a season of turmoil for him. So... They'll be lacking from confidence on an individual level and then on a collective level because they've never, you know, no matter who the opposition has been, they've never produced high quality attacking football where they're scoring several goals. And um, they I don't think they'll be favoring themselves to score in any of these games if Salah isn't playing, if we're being truthful with ourselves. And... Um since we're on the topic of confidence and uh, good and bad seasons, um, I just wanted to say that, yeah, most most of our uh, attacking players haven't had the best seasons. And maybe that's why Cooper has been pushing uh, Amro Werda 
and to the side more over these past few games. He was voted the best foreign player in the Greek Super League this season. And um, when he w- when he had to step up after uh, uh, Marwan Mohsen was taken off against Belgium, uh, he didn't look all that bad, actually. And uh, I think that we'll be seeing more of him at the World Cup than we did at the Africa Cup of Nations, for example. And um, touching on the other attacking players, we've we've never gotten that much output from them um, since Cooper arrived, obviously, because of the way we play. So, yes, I think there is uh, a lack of confidence, but I think the issues have maybe have been... Uh, slightly exaggerated um we've ha- we've played strong teams we've used lots of fringe players we've had Salah out and so it hasn't been the ideal environment to do well and now that Salah hopefully will play some part at the world cup i don't think that um i think that we, we will, the, the the team will look more similar to how it used to uh, maybe a year ago or so when we were actually winning games. Yeah, I just want to say um, I couldn't agree more with the boys. Uh, and as Serge alluded, the squad is paper thin in terms of depth. So I think what those friendly results just underscored is how important Salah is for us. Because when he's off the pitch, teams, they just set up so differently against Egypt. You know, they play that just a little bit further forward up the pitch without the petrifying thought of Salah getting in behind the defence. And just looking at the central defence pairings throughout the group, old, old, old. So I guess the friendlies gave at least um, Cooper the chance to look at Corker, who's gone, and a whole bunch of other attacking options, as well as fiddle with the defensive pairings as well. So while they were very disappointing results, they weren't without purpose, I guess. So now that we've taken, or we've seen what we've seen already from the national team, if we were to make some predictions, not on terms of the matches, but in terms of the players, who, uh, Bezel, who do you think will be the highest scorer for the nation, uh, the top two scorers for Egypt? Top scorer for Egypt? Well, you can't go beyond Salah, surely. Um, I'm not entirely sure where else the goals are going to come from, unless Abdullah Saeed repeats some of his heroics from the qualifying group. Uh Tell you one thing I am very interested in is the fact that Shikabala is in the squad. We can't be 100% sure about the situation with uh, Salah's shoulder. Like the, the signs have been encouraging, the tweets that we've seen. But it might be that Shikabala is called upon. And um, I just want to say, as a lover of football, that does excite me. But when it comes to top scorer, you just can't go past Salah. None of the other boys have any you know, real... Um, I was looking at the... I think we have, if I'm not mistaken, 65 goals in the squad. 33 of them have come from Salah. So just over wow. half. So that sort of says, tells its own tale. And just to mention Shikabali, is a very skillful player. And while he has had some bad stints, both the national team and in Europe, just remembering those days at Zemedic, and I guess we've seen glimpses of it in this resurrection season in Saudi Arabia... I'm very excited for what he can do at the World Cup. And while it does seem unlikely that he might get playing time, Cooper specified he wants to play him at Cam behind uh, if Abdullah Saeed weren't to play. So maybe as a substitute option, if we're down or just trying something new, I'd love to see what that can bring. I think he can bring something. He can rejuvenate the national team and things we haven't seen. Yeah, definitely. I think he could be a player who... Um, I think I've spent a lot of time speaking about uh, confidence in in this podcast, and I don't think he's ever going to be a player who's lacking for confidence. Um, And I think it could be interesting now that Cooper has shown his uh, a little bit more willingness to play Abdullah Saeed a little bit deeper. So I think in certain situations, uh, depending on how matches go, he could maybe even play them together. It's a little bit unlikely, but, um, you know, if he's chasing a match or something like that, um, and then that could be the, the boost of creativity that we've been desperate to see for quite some time now. It's a little bit optimistic thinking, but there's no doubting that he can be a game changer. 
as you said, most likely as a super sub, maybe playing 15 or 20 minutes in a match. But uh, that could be all he needs to, to make a difference. So we've mentioned Shigabala, uh, Serge. Who else do you think could potentially come off the bench and bring a spark to the squad, whether it be in defense, midfield, or attack? Right. So I don't think uh, Hector Cooper is very likely to touch his defense unless he has to. Uh, I see, you know, that back line that uh, we stuck with playing every minute unless something happens, uh, and then in midfield. Same situation. So I think the player uh, to watch is one who uh, uh, Morsi mentioned uh, earlier on, and that's Amr Warda off the bench, especially taking just Mohan Mohsen, the one striker. That leaves a lot of time for uh, Warda to play. Again, Salah is also, uh, you know, a questionable, a questionable decision going into Russia as it stands right now. So. Uh, he could be, uh, he might even get the start against Uruguay if Salah is able to play. I think uh, teams will be kind of focusing in on Trezeguet after the season he had in Turkey. And, um, you know, although Abdullah hasn't really played abroad in his career, I think he's also a player that um, a lot of teams will be focusing on given his uh, influence in qualifiers. So I think Amr Ward or maybe Mahmoud Kahraba, if he can find some form could be the difference in uh, popping up with a goal or two for Egypt to potentially get us through the group stage. So looking at the squad, there's a lot of young talent, um, a lot of them still playing, whether that be in Europe or Egypt and Asia, and a lot of them could make a move based on some good performances at the World Cup. We've seen Trezeguet linked to quite a few teams, that being in Premier League and in La Liga. And also other players like Kahraba, who's who stated that after the World Cup, he would like to go to Europe. So, Serge, who do you think could has the potential to earn themselves a move to Europe uh, after the World Cup performance? Right. So, as you touched on, I think obviously the most likely candidate is uh, Mahmoud Trezeguet. He had an outstanding season in Turkey. He's on uh, the radar of several clubs, uh, really, all over Europe. And I think he's rumored to have a release clause of up to 5 million euros for the rest of June, which for the output he provided last year is a bargain in this day and age. Um, I don't think there will necessarily be the same market for Mahmoud Kaharaba, uh, who's only really proven his trade in Egypt and in Saudi and who didn't have the best of seasons this year. I think who's most likely to move uh, is probably Ahmed Higazi. His West Brom side got relegated this uh, season and uh, I believe he's rumored to have a release clause of about 2.5 to 3 million uh, because of the relegation. I don't know if that's confirmed to be true, but either way, uh, even if he doesn't have one, he could be uh, looking for a move and he's proven himself to be a very high quality player at the Premier League level. So I think a lot of sides in England will be interested in him. And uh, I think a good tournament uh, with a couple of clean sheets for Egypt could, uh, you know, reconfirm that view of Hegezi, uh, maybe on a little bit wider scale than just England. No, I think Serge has covered the bases there. I, w- I would only have um, suggested Trezeguet, to be honest with you as well. My only fear with Trezeguet is that he might not have the platform to shine because he's expected to put in such a defensive shift, but... Hopefully, uh, potential European suitors will see that work ethic as well as the skill level, and yeah, they'll come sniffing. Um, there's also uh, the second youngest player uh, on the squad list is uh, Mahmoud Hamdi Lwinch, who plays at centre back for uh, Zamalek. But at this point, I, I just don't see him getting any minutes unless uh, Ali Gobr loses Cooper's faith or. There's a suspension and Sad Samir is unavailable for some reason. I just think uh, Ed Winch is too far down the pecking order to really uh, get any minutes and uh, put himself in the spot. We'll take a quick break before previewing the rest of Group A. So looking into 
Qatar World Cup group. First up on June 15th, we play Uruguay, who's 14th in the FIFA rankings. And surprisingly, they've only played one friendly match against Uzbekistan, which didn't tell ma- didn't tell much, although they won 3-0. So, Serge, what are your opinions on the Uruguay team and how can we do against them? Uh, I think, obviously, the Uruguay team is by far the favorites in the group. Uh, when you look at the quality of the squads, they're... They have by far the best squad, by far the most experience. So looking ahead towards our first match, which is against them, and again, status of Salah is questionable for that match still. I think the best we can really hope for is a draw. Um, I think if you ask Hector Cooper right now if he would take a draw against Uruguay, he would accept that very quickly. But I, I, th- I don't see us being able to keep Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani out for 90 minutes. Um, so really, I think it's more than likely to be a, a loss for us. But if we can make it a good game and uh, you know grow into the turn, use this tournament, use this game to grow into the tournament, then it can still be a, you know I guess what you would call a moral victory. All right, then our next match in the group will be against Russia, who were just ranked seventieth in the FIFA rankings which is the lowest ranking of any team to ever host the World Cup leading into the tournament. They've also been winless since October, and they've been in pretty bad form, especially with an aging team, which could be very detrimental to them. They recently lost to France, Austria, and just tied with Turkey. So, Morsi, what do you think about the team? Like you said, uh, they haven't won uh, since June uh, 2017, which never looks good going into uh, the World Cup and especially as hosts. And um, I think that uh, uh, their coach, Stanislav uh, Cherchusov, he's been pretty uh, faithful to the three-at-back system. So he came in his first game and he he played three-at-the-back and then maybe he didn't like it. He went back to uh, traditional defender system for a couple of games and then ever since he's been he's moved back to a three at the back what interest what I found interesting was that for some reason that in in his last two friendlies uh, he switched at back once more to a four at the back so I, I'm just trying to wonder if he's lost faith in having three uh, uh, center backs since uh, as we've been saying, they're slow, they're old, and uh, the uh, backup options are pretty young and inexperienced, and maybe even lacking in quality. So I'm interested to see if he'll uh, play uh, four or three at, at, at the back in, in their first game, and maybe that'll give us an idea of how they're going to line up against Egypt. I think that's a good tactical point. Uh, I, I mean, that's definitely something that I would, I would hope the coaching staff is looking at as well, and I'm sure they are. But I just want to add, and I'm the type of person who likes to look at these squads as, as they get selected for the World Cup. I think a little bit too much has been made about the lack of quality uh, in Russia. I know they're ranked poorly, but it's important to keep in mind that as hosts, they weren't allowed to play uh, in the qualifiers. So, of course, that makes it a little bit more difficult to you know, get your ranking up, and they still have quality in that squad. You look at players like Alan uh, Zagoev and, um, you know, Artem Zuba went out on loan. Uh, they have players like Denis Sheryshev, former Real Madrid man. So uh, it's not a, it's not a side that doesn't have quality players in it. And, uh, you know, playing in front of their own nation, they definitely have the potential to be able to bring out their quality and, and uh, put up a really good fight against any team. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, actually, uh, as, since you mentioned quality, I was mainly talking about uh, their defensive personnel. I think mm-hmm. in, in midfield and further forward, uh, they have uh, Alexander uh, Golovin is a really good uh, central midfielder uh, who plays for uh, Seska Moscow. But um, he's been linked with uh, several clubs in bigger European leagues. And further forward, um, they have have a couple of really good uh, attacking players. I I was mainly talking about how their 
about their defensive issues. Right. So, Omar, what do you think as uh, our score prediction for that? Um, depending on their first game, because I think that's going to give us a real idea of how good they're going to be with, uh, with all the home support. I, th- I think we have a realistic chance of winning this game, especially if Muhammad's a lot back. I think Russia are com- comparable to the level of opposition that we've faced with Africa so far. All right, and then lastly, in our final game of the group stage, which will be very important to see whether or not we can make the round of 16, we play Saudi Arabia, who are 67th in the FIFA rankings. They've played quite a few friendlies in the past few weeks, notably winning against Algeria and Greece, but having three straight, three straight losses against Italy, Peru, and Germany. So, Bezel, what can you take from this team, and what is your prediction for our match with them? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, they're there for the taking, is the short answer. They qualified under the stewardship of Bert van Marwijk. Well, his contract wasn't extended over conditions, apparently. I think he wanted to stay in the Netherlands and have his own coaches. So that didn't work out, and he decamped to Australia. So Juan Antonio Pizzi stepped into the breach, the Argentinian, and he, they've favoured essentially a 4-4-1-1. Um, they had nine players, I think, sent to Spain to try to pick up some sort of experience in La Liga, but that seemed to be more about branding than anything because very few of them got any, minute, any minutes. But, yeah, they have a tendency to play on their heels... And especially the friendly against Belgium, the recent one they lost 4-0, they seemed too scared to commit challenges for the ball that were there to be made. So imagine what they're going to be up, you know, like against the likes of Salah. So they look especially prone to pressing, which isn't necessarily a strong point of Egypt, at least not in defence. Still, I suspect we're going to see a lot of clearances from them, meaning they'll invite pressure onto themselves. So here's some of the players to watch. I think Fahad El Mualid who actually did get some game time in La Liga for Levant, is definitely one to keep an eye on. He's a bit of a trickster, I think a bit of a street footballer, you know, full of tricks, sometimes down blind alleys, I have to admit. But he's one to keep an eye on. He scored the yeah the goal that clinched qualification against Japan, and if he has a breakout tournament, you never know, he might tempt a European club to have a dip, which very rarely happens with Saudi players, of course, who are more than happy to remain in their own high-paying, high-paying league. Um, Mohamed El Sahlawi was another one. He really impressed when I saw him play against Australia in the Asian qualifiers. He has finds space nicely, has a very good scoring record. So he's another danger. And finally, there's Salim El Dossari, who also got some minutes in La Liga for Villarreal. And yeah, he's another quick winger. And yeah. A potential headache for Egypt, but that having having said all that, we really should be able to account for them. If we have any hopes of getting through to the second round, that's the gimme. So to round out the group, we'll give a prediction from everyone about where Egypt will finish uh, in the group and at what points. Uh, so, so I'll go with myself first. I personally think Egypt will finish second in the group with Uruguay ahead of them and. Saudi Arabia finishing third and Russia fourth. I think Egypt will barely be able to make it after a win over Russia and a draw and two draws. Serge? So uh, I have to disagree with you. Um, Unfortunately, as much as it pains me to say this, I don't think Egypt will make it out of the group. I think they'll find some difficulty in picking up any points against Uruguay. Uh, I think that Russia will be highly motivated uh, against Egypt, um, thinking that they're, you know, a little bit of a wounded animal without a fully fit Salah. And, um, you know, against Saudi, I think we spoke about how good their attack is and um, how vulnerable their defense is, but we're not necessarily the best side to be able to take advantage of that. And, you know, even if we do pick up three points in that game or in the Russia game, I don't see us getting... uh, you know, five or so points or four or five points, which is what I estimate it'll take for us to get through. I see us, uh, you know, picking up three points and going home third. Morrison? Well, I'm actually going to change speed here because uh, I'm 
I think I'm more on the optimistic end of the prediction spectrum. Uh, I think that uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia are both very winnable games. I think that um, there's some naivety to exploit, which was the case largely in most of the games that we won. Uh, teams would be pressing, they would have the majority of chances, but they just couldn't finish, and then you would make our very little chances count. And uh, I think I think we can do the same here. And I, I, I think Salah should be back for uh, Russia, if not uh, the first game against Uruguay. So I'm personally more optimistic. And, and if, if, if he can play some part against Uruguay, I can even see us snatching the draw. And it won't be pretty. It's going to be ugly, like we all know. But I'm, I'm optimistic for some reason. And lastly, Basil? Um, yeah, I probably sit somewhere in the middle. I think we will just sneak in that Uruguay will top the group. That we'll come in second, Russia third, and the Saudis fourth. I'm basing that on the fact that even though it can be incredibly boring, Cooper does play tournament football, if that makes sense. Um, some might say it's a betrayal of Egypt's traditions and the kind of football we like to see. And some might say, shut up, it's 28 years is a long time to wait and just be grateful we qualified. But I do think it will stand us in good stead. My only concern, of course, is home ground advantage is home ground advantage. History says only one team, South Africa, I think it was in 2010, has failed to get through the group stage. Um, yeah... I'm just a little bit fearful they might get the rub of the green, the Russians, in terms of the decisions. Um, it speaks volumes, of course, that they got such a comparatively or relatively weak group. I think it's the highest, or I should say the lowest FIFA-ranked group in the competition, something to do with warm balls, I dare say. And I just worry <laughs> that might continue into the tournament, but God damn it, we're good enough. So I'm going to be positive and say, yeah, we can get through in second position. All right, thank you guys. So those are our predictions for Egypt. Lastly, to round off the podcast. All right, we'll take one last break before going in to round off the podcast by talking about the African teams and the rest of the World Cup in general. So looking at the World Cup, there are other African teams. We have Morocco in Group B, Nigeria in Group D. We also have Tunisia and uh, Senegal. So looking at uh, looking at the teams, they have some groups where there might be potential to get in, while some are in hell groups. So, Serge, who do you think? Which African teams do you think can get out of their groups and maybe shock some people at the tournament? Um, so. I think the team that uh, I'm picking to shock some teams at the tournament, and this will really be a shock, will be maybe Tunisia, because uh, I would say of all the African teams, they're maybe the least talented squad. Um, you know, they have a few players playing in domestic African leagues. They have quite a few abroad as well, but, you know, their players playing in France and England aren't necessarily playing at some of the biggest clubs and wouldn't be the biggest names, but... When you see them playing together, they have, uh, you know, they have the right camaraderie. They look like they, um, you know, they look like a cohesive team who can get some points. Their their group includes Panama, who's probably one of the weaker sides at the tournament, so they may, you know, have a fancy themselves to get three points against them. Uh, you know, England's underperformed at a few tournaments in a row now, so they could give them some trouble. And Belgium, you know, of all the you know strongest sides, pot one sides. They're probably defensively vulnerable as well, and if they can, you know, we saw how good they are attacking, but if they can find a way to keep them out uh, or maybe just limit them to a goal, they may be able to even pick up a point against a side as strong as Belgium. So Tunisia is kind of my dark horse pick. I think when you look at sides like Senegal or Morocco or um, Nigeria, they, they definitely have more talent, especially in the case of a team like Senegal. But I, I think Tunisia is playing 
the best football out of the African teams right now, and they're kind of my dark horse pick to shock some teams. And, uh, you know, on the other end of that spectrum is Senegal. I think there are a lot of people's popular dark horse pick. They have outstanding quality players like uh, Mane at Liverpool, Koulibaly at Napoli, but, um, and, you know, plenty others. But I don't think they've really gelled together as a team, and I think they may bounce out of the group stage. Yeah, so countries like Senegal, they have a lot of star power, as does Nigeria. So, Basil, there's a lot of young talent in these African teams. Who do you think uh, can have like a breakout tournament of these African teams? Hmm. I feel so sorry for them because I actually believe Morocco may well be the best African team, but they're also yeah. in one of the hardest groups. They're desperately unlucky. So if I was asked to pick who's the best team, I might, yeah, be inclined to point in their direction. But whether they can get past Spain... Portugal actually do think they have a, a chance against, but it's a tough, tough ask. I mean, but the squad is peppered with real talent that play across you know, the top leagues in Europe. You know, not just um, Benatia, who's in Serie A, but, yeah, there's, there's a lot of talent there. Um, aside from them, I was surprised, I've got to be honest, with Serge's recommendation of Tunisia. I think they're going to find it really hard. Tunisia are going to do, God bless them, they're our neighbours and we love them, but they're going to... They've got to do what they always do at the World Cup, which is defend and score very few goals. And I, look, they might, they might, um, or they should beat Panama, actually. But that aside, I think they're going to find it very difficult. Senegal, they have quality players, but their midfield looks a little bit threadbare to me. So I might, I might go with Nigeria, even though that's a super tough group. They've got some really um, good players up forward. Uh, so they might be able to spring a surprise against the likes of um, Argentina, Iceland, and Croatia. So if I was, yeah, had a gun to my head, I'd probably pick them. Uh, there's Moussa's there, Ahmed Moussa, Victor Moses, um, the forwards, Iheanacho, Igalo, Awobi. That's that's a lot of firepower. So, yeah, Nigeria. All right, and then looking at the players on an individual level, there's a lot of star power. Morsi, who do you think? Uh, which who do you think will be the top two African goal scorers or goal scorers and performers at the World Cup? Um, I think uh, if if he's fit, Muhammad Salah is going to be uh, one of the top African players there. Obviously, I also think uh, Mane is going to have. A good tournament, even if uh, Senegal don't go through, which is actually, uh, I think that's my prediction. I don't think they'll get through because of, I don't think they're disciplined enough as a team, and it's shown before in so many qualifiers and so many uh, editions of the African Cup of Nations. Um, beyond that, because of, I think Morocco and uh, Tunisia will. will I, I actually think those will be the teams that go through, even though they have the toughest groups. But I don't see them having a real uh, goal scorer who's going to rack up the goals and be on the scoring charts because of the way that they play. Even though they're not as defensive as Egypt, but at the same time, they don't tend to score that many goals and they don't have someone on the same spot. I was just going to quickly say, keep an eye out for Kalichi and Acho for Nigeria in terms of firepower. All right, so now looking at the World Cup in general. So there's a lot of great players. Hopefully we can see that culminate to a great tournament. Uh, so, Serge, who do you think will win? The, what do you think will be your final at the World Cup? And who do you think will get the Golden Ball? Uh, so I actually have... Uh a very dark horse prediction, or maybe I'll just say a normal dark horse prediction for the winner. I picked Portugal to win the World Cup. Um, I, I don't think teams often have uh, win the Euro and then really successfully contend for a World Cup, but I feel like they have the right mix of uh, you know young, energetic, talented, but also relatively well-established youth. And then I think they have the older, experienced players um, who can kind of lead their line obviously we know about Ronaldo but 
I think Pepe still had a solid season in defense. Um, you know, they still have enough experience over the pitch to lead those younger players. And I don't really see a clear-cut favorite amongst the, the top teams. So I think that they'll be right there in the mix. Um, and then, you know, if my prediction is true and Portugal does win the World Cup, I can never bet against Cristiano Ronaldo to win the Golden Ball. All right, and for my prediction, I personally believe that we'll have a final of France and Brazil. I'd like to see that happen with France uh, with uh, France winning at the end, despite them having a very young squad. I think uh, from what we've seen in the friendlies, they've played some great football, and hopefully that can culminate into a win for them. As for top score, I do think it will be Luis Suarez. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully they won't score a lot of goals against Egypt, but uh, they'll be able to rack up a lot of goals in the group stage. And if they're able to advance past the round of 16, they could make a very deep run into the tournament. So, Basil, on to you. Um, I think I might be... Yeah, I'm favouring Spain to uh, reverse the trend of some disappointing tournament outings since... uh, the Euros in 2012. I've got a feeling they It just seems they're back in the groove. That friendly they played against Germany that finished one all was just full of sumptuous football. And I'd make Germany my second favourites. I always look to history with these things. And by and large, South American teams don't win in Europe. Historically speaking, when it comes to the World Cup, you've only really got Brazil in 58. And vice versa, of course, Europeans don't tend to win in South America. But it's in Europe this time, so I'm leaning towards a European team. So Spain to win it. And my top scorer... Timo Werner. All right, it's a good prediction. And then last but not least, Morsi. I'm I'm going for the vanilla choice here. I'm going uh, for Germany to retain the World Cup title. Uh, like Bessel was saying, this hasn't been done since uh, Brazil, uh, 1958, if I'm not mistaken, in 1962. And um, I think the top scorer would actually is going to be Griezmann. I don't think uh, France and Brazil can meet in the final unless one of them doesn't finish top of the group. So I see I see them playing in the semifinal, and before that, I think France's sequence of matches would be easy enough, or not easy, but would help Griezmann uh, score enough goals to finish as top scorer. Uh, that's, that's just my prediction. Thank you guys for listening. If you're still here with us, um, that was our preview for the World Cup. Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, put out some other podcasts during the World Cup and definitely after it, recapping what's happened. And on the Kingful website, we'll have a lot of features about the World Cup, uh, with a few more leading up to it, and, and definitely a lot of news during it. We'll also have a feature about the Kingfooters predictions for the World Cup, what, who will do what. But thank you for listening very much, and we'll see you guys later. Thank you.